This is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with the doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. Good morning, good morning, Atlanta. This is Dr. Carissa Hines. You are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We are broadcasting live from the WWWE Real 1100 AM studio here in Atlanta. Today we have a very special guest with us, and I will let you uh, meet this phenomenal young lady in just a bit. But as we always do when we start our shows, first of all, I hope you all are having a fantastic fantastic Thursday morning. We start out with our shout out. So shout out to my number one fan. Hey mom, how are you doing? I hope you are having a terrific Thursday morning. Shout out to Medical Minutes family in Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Houston, Texas, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Charlotte, North Carolina, Ladston, South Carolina, Macon, Georgia, Pensacola, Florida, Center, Alabama, Chesapeake, Virginia, Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C., Centerville, Virginia, Opelika, Alabama, Lusby, Maryland, Newport News, Virginia, Temecula, California, excuse me, Cedar Bluff, Alabama, College Park, Georgia, Hobbs, New Mexico, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Oxford, North Carolina, Woodbridge, Virginia, Gadsden, Alabama, Hampton, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, and lastly, but most certainly not leastly, Memphis, Tennessee. Thank you all so much for listening to us week after week and being a part of the Medical Minutes family. And so, as always, if you tell me what city you are listening from, I will shout out your hometown on our next broadcast. As I said, we are broadcasting from the WWWE Real 1100 AM studio here in Atlanta. You can also stream this show on www.real1100.com or watch us on Facebook Live on our Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa Facebook page and also on the Old Fashioned Health Network page. So, hey to our Facebook family. Hello, hello. You can catch this rebroadcast, of course, it is uh, on the Facebook page, and so you can watch it anytime you like, and you also can listen to it on the WWE Facebook page, as well as the Old Fashioned Health Network Facebook page. You can also find us on YouTube at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We are a proud part of the Old Fashioned Health Network. And we are not only a radio show, not only a movement, but we are also a podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform, including but not limited to iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Google, Captivate, Amazon, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Stitcher. Follow us on social media. We are Facebook Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, Instagram at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and on Twitter at Minutes Doctor. So I have to tell y'all, I did an IG Live for the first time last week with my friend, uh, Miss Frida Hobbs, 
and we were talking about a, um, a mindset that I am developing for myself as a way that I choose to live my life. And so, um, said all that to say, it's on Instagram. I'll post it on the Facebook page and y'all let me know what you think about it. And, you know, I might try and incorporate some Instagram lives into the show and just stream it on Instagram. So that'll be another way that we have outreach there. So, okay, getting to our COVID update. So, of course, every week we want to update you as to what is going on in these COVID streets, right? So, here we are. We have currently 35.4 million cases in the United States, uh, 200 million cases worldwide. Uh, and in the United States, an unfortunate 614,000 deaths. And of course, our condolences continue to go out to families of those affected either by infection or by death. We most certainly are uh, standing with you and supporting you and praying for you and your families as you are going through a difficult time. Talking about our vaccine stats, so at, currently we are at 192 million have at least, uh, excuse me, 192 million eligible Americans uh, have re received at least one vaccination. And we are still hovering around that 165 million mark for full vaccination. And by full vaccination, we mean that you are um, two to three weeks out from your second shot of the Pfizer or Moderna product, or two to three weeks out from the Johnson & Johnson um, inoculation. So that has us hovering at about 50.3%. Now, we are seeing some surges in vaccination in the southern states because those states unfortunately have been lagging a little bit. And so we are seeing uh, in Alabama, Louisiana, and Mississippi in particular, um, we are seeing surges in vaccination rates and that is amazing, that is great. Y'all keep up the good work. I am happy to hear that. Um, and would love to have some listeners from that state if you are so inclined to tell your friends and family about our little show here. So, um, and so, you know, we can get that going. So again, um, you know, the Delta variant continues, variant, excuse me, continues to be um, in the news and now is accounting for 93% of new cases of COVID-19. Um, as we discussed last week, it is more transmissible than the common cold. And some experts are now recommending that we update and go back to wearing our N95 or KN95 masks um, just for added protection because this variant is so, um, is so transmissible and so easy to catch it. What we know so far is that the vaccine does continue to provide the best protection against this virus. Uh, so if you are not vaccinated, please be vaccinated, make a plan to do that. Um, and in news about the vaccine in and of itself, the FDA is expected to give full approval to the Pfizer-BioNTech uh, COVID-19 vaccine in the coming weeks. Um, one of the, the points of um, vaccine deliberation or vaccine hesitancy, whatever you want to call that, 
um, has been that the product had been released under the EUA or the emergency use authorization. So it did not have the full approval um, of the FDA and some people were concerned about that. So hopefully if that is you, if that is why you are still deliberating, still on the fence about getting the vaccine, hopefully once that full approval comes through that you, know, you will go ahead and get vaccinated. But let me say, um, you know, most of the times when we're doing these studies for any um, new drug or anything like that, um, usually once we get to stage three or four, you're looking at several hundred thousand um, subjects that are studied. Um, so a lot of studies will get up to 300,000, 400,000, um, and then they will release their um, release their findings and the drug is either approved or not based upon those findings. But, you know, with this, we are now with, you know, over 100 million uh, case studies, if you will, um, as all of us um, are participating in this experiment, if you will. And so what we know, while there have been, um, you know, some allergic reactions, there have even been um, some deaths, but overwhelmingly, um, the numbers bear out that this vaccine is safe. So you don't really even have to wait for the full authorization uh, from the FDA to know that this vaccine is safe and that it is effective. The numbers are showing that um, by leaps and bounds um, now. So it is back to school time. And so of course, you know, there has been concern about the, um, the children uh, going back to school, some school districts, some cities, some states have mask mandates for children that are in school and some don't. Um, and that has put parents in quite a, in quite a little bit of a, a bubble, if you will, um, because they don't know what to do or what they should do um, to protect their children. So what we do know that, you know, with back to school, a lot of kids will come home sick with a lot of different things, right? Um, because they've been separated from their friends and all of their germs for the summer, and now everybody comes back together. So, you know, your kids will be, you know, with the sniffles, with cough and cold, um, you know, some of them will have ear infections and all of that because they are now coming back together um, in, in, a, in a close environment with their friends. So that is not unusual to see. However, we are seeing um, an increase in the number of COVID positive cases in children um, that are resulting in hospitalizations. And so, you know, you want to keep that in mind and be careful. So I'm going to tell you, um, you know, because I believe in transparency, my child is going to school with a mask, with an N95 mask, um, because, you know, I'm just not... I am not interested in taking that risk and I'm going to encourage you to not take that risk either. Um, of course, I am glad that they are going back to in-person school because I think that that is the best, um, particularly for certain types of learners. Um, but again, we have to be careful because while COVID has not um, resulted in the deaths in as many children. Uh, compared with adults. It does happen um, and there have been hospitalizations and as a matter of fact hospitalizations are up. So of the uh, 4.2 million children in the United States that have tested positive for COVID uh, in the past week there have been 72,000 new cases of COVID positivity in children under 17 years of age and as you are aware um, the vaccine is only available for children 12 and up. 
So, you know, for your children that can be vaccinated, I recommend um, very strongly that you do vaccinate those children. Um, and, you know, there is ongoing study and we are all waiting with bated breath for recommendations for younger children in terms of this COVID vaccine. So, over the past two weeks, there has been a 3% increase in the number of COVID cases in children. So, um, you know, so that's kind of our, our wrap up for COVID for this week. So we're gonna take a little break and then when we get back, we'll get back into uh, the meat of our segment for today. I am Dr. Carissa Hines. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa and we'll be right back after a break. This medical moment is brought to you by Total Lifestyle Change. Should I get the COVID-19 vaccine? The answer is simple. Yes, you should. Over 600,000 people in the United States have died of COVID-19 infection since it started in 2020. This is not a myth. This number is for real. If you are an African-American with diabetes, heart disease, obese, you are a greater risk of suffering from the bad effects of COVID-19. The Delta variant is here in the U.S. and is more contagious. People in the hospital and ICU are now unvaccinated. You are in control of your destiny. Protect your family and friends by getting the vaccine. This medical moment has been brought to you by Total Lifestyle Change. For more information about COVID-19 and other chronic conditions, call 1-800-788-0941. Remember, knowledge is power. Are your pet's vaccinations up to date? Just for Pets Wellness Center can help keep your pets protected from fleas, ticks, heartworms, and other nasty bugs with the latest parasite detection and prevention programs available. We offer parasite screening and prevention to the most advanced topical and chewable medications. Using our online pharmacy is affordable, safe, convenient, and provides home delivery. Visit our website for more information at www.justthenumber4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. Sunshine, she's here, you can take a break. I'm a hot air balloon that could go to space. With the air, like I don't care, baby, by the way. Welcome back. This is Dr. Carissa Hines. I am your host of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. And if you are just joining us, today's segment will be talking about a hospitalized child. We'll be talking with um, a, a person who has experienced that. Um, but as always, I'd like to give a little bit of background before I introduce our very special guest today. So when we talk about children in the emergency room, right? So there are about 30 million pediatric ER visits every year in the United States. And as a parent, I will say that, you know, your child being ill is upsetting, right? Um, because we don't, we love our children. And, you know, of course, we don't want them to feel pain or stress or distress. Um, and so, of course, you know, your child gets an ear infection and they don't feel well, you know, that can be a little distressing, right? Um, but when your child, when you have to take your child to the emergency room, 
um, you are in a different level, um, in a different stage of distress because you are really, really worried about your child and you don't know what the doctors will tell you as to what is happening with your child. Um, but when your child has to be hospitalized for a, a serious illness or a procedure or whatever, that, that takes it up a notch or 10, right? And it can become quite terrifying, actually. And so of those 30 million emergency room visits, about 3 million result in hospitalizations. So our guest today will talk about her experience of being a child who has been hospitalized. So let me tell you about our very, very special guest. And I'm gonna tell you right off the right off the bat, I am extremely biased about how special she is. And you'll find out why in just a minute. So our guest today is Miss Spencer Moore. Miss Spencer Moore is a 13-year-old rising eighth grader here in Atlanta. She is a seasoned ballet dancer, having performed with the Atlanta Ballet's production of The Nutcracker. Continuing her ballet studies, she now dances on point, which for those who don't follow ballet, she dances on her, on her tiptoes. In addition, she is an honor student and a promising track and field athlete who just finished her first summer season with Mercury Track Club, shout out to Mercury, uh, competing in the 100 meter, 200 meter, and four by 100 meter events. Looking to the future, she has aspirations to become either an architect or an engineer. She is very easily my favorite person on the planet, and I am blessed and honored to be her mother. Ladies and gentlemen of Medical Minutes, please welcome to our show, Miss Spencer Moore. Hello, Spencer. How are you? Hi, good morning. <laughs> I'm great. Well, good. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, well, most certainly. It was an open invitation. So I'll tell you, um, this was one of the things that I kept saying to Spencer, like, you know, you should come on my show and talk about, you know, what we all went through. Um, and, you know, a part of our Survivor Series, um, you know, I always want to get the perspective of the person that is going through a certain thing um, because I think that that adds a, a bit more humanity to it um, as opposed to me just giving you the facts and figures um, and talking about the science of it because all of these disease processes right there's a human being behind them there's a family behind um, that experience and so we are going to get right into our interview so Miss Spencer Tell us what happened to you that you had to go to the hospital. Like, tell us about that day. Um, so really it was a normal day, sort of. Mm -hmm. I kind of woke up with a slight stomach ache. I didn't really think anything of it because that was pretty normal for me. Um, I went to school and it usually gets better throughout the day, but it just got worse and worse. Like the pain was just really bad. And so it was around second to last period of the day when I got sent to the nurse by my teacher. She just noticed I wasn't, I didn't have any energy or anything. Mm -hmm. So I went down to the nurse. I had got a little bit of medicine and she just said to wait 15 minutes to see if anything happened and nothing worked. Uh, so I just ended up going home. And let me tell you that wait 
for my dad to come pick me up. It felt like a million years. It was just so long. Mm-hmm. But so I went home and, you know, I was just expecting for it to be like a stomach bug or whatever and to come back the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that did not happen. And I ended up uh, being at home for a good three, four days. And the pain just got worse and worse until finally... Uh, we just decided to go to the ER to see what was wrong because something was clearly very wrong. So we, we actually went the next day. It was the next day. Mm-hmm. It just felt like a long time. It felt like a long time. Yeah. So you know that's one of the things when we talk about um, knowing your kid and and knowing when to go because that's always even for even for a physician um, that is always the the million dollar question, right? Like, when do we pull the trigger and decide to go? And so, you know, I will say that after we did, after I did all the things that I knew to do that I could do at home and nothing worked, so we went overnight, right? You know, we were doing the Tylenol for pain and thought maybe, you know, this just was a constipation issue or a stomach bug issue. We worked through all of those basic things. And so the next day, not better. And so, you know, I happened to call um, Spencer's godmother, who's a pediatrician, and I showed her a picture um, and she was like, nope, time to go. I was like, "Okay, cool. So we go to the emergency room at at Scottish Rite here with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. So shout out to them. They are a wonderful, wonderful place. And if you have a children's hospital in your community, you truly are blessed because they do. They definitely do miracles um, there. So we go to the emergency room and then. Uh, they tell me that I will need emergency surgery like mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of scary, but I think I was so out of it that I didn't even really care mm-hmm. at all. But so I go through surgery and I wake up. I don't know how long I was asleep, but woke up around the next day, I would say maybe. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling so much better. It was just weird. Cause I, I remember this like it was yesterday, still it being a year later, but it was like a really weird experience, I guess. Weird how? You know, like when you see movies, like people getting hurt and having to go through surgery, you know, they make this big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in reality, that doesn't really happen. Cause okay. like the person who needs surgery, they're probably like, like don't really care a whole lot because they're so so tired and like I was so dehydrated and my mind was just out of it you know it was just not great at all but I'm thankful that I think I went through that and was able to overcome that because I think that was really difficult Um, because I had to stay a week in the hospital after that for recovery Mm -hmm. Um, you know I was away from my friends and I just wanted to go back to school. <laughs> like, that's all I wanted to right, do. Right, right. Um, but at the same time, that is when COVID was starting to jump off. Right. Um, you know, and I think at that time, no one was really thinking about it until it started to get really big, and that's when school started to shut down. Um, and I think everything kind of went downhill after that. You know, you'd think that surgery, a big surgery like that would be a pretty be big it. deal you right. know that'd be it but that wasn't even 
the most difficult part. Didn't even scratch the surface. Right. So I will tell people the surgery that she had, so with her, um, with her belly pain, um, we took her to the emergency room and they discovered that she had a bowel obstruction. So she had a blockage um, and things were not moving um, you know, down and out as they should without being too gross. Um, and so, yes, she's right. She did have to have emergency surgery. And so, you know, that was, that surgery happened around like 10, 11 o'clock at night um, on a Friday. And we had just started spring break. Um, so, you know, we were gonna be out for that week anyway. Um, but then during that week when we were in the hospital having our recovery is when the COVID pandemic really, really, you know, took hold and they started shutting down schools. So we are here in the hospital with our recovery, thinking that we're gonna just have just a, a week of recovery and we're gonna go home and go back to school and none of that happened. So we initially did go home after that week, things looked great. You know, she was eating and up and moving around. And then I started to get sick. Like I just didn't feel well, I wasn't eating anything. Mm -hmm. And then after a few days, I was severely dehydrated. Yes. Um, and then we went back to the hospital. Back uh, to the ER. And that yes. was kind of like a back and forth thing for quite some time after that. You know, I'd go home, I wouldn't, then I wouldn't eat, and then that would go on for a few days, and then we'd be back in the ER, and then I'd stay a few days in the ER. Or in the hospital. hospital. In the hospital. Mm -hmm. And then they'd discharge me, and then I'd be back a few days later. Right. You know, and it was, like, no one could really figure out what was really going on until about a few visits mm -hmm. after that. But I think the scariest part with that was this one night where we were upstairs and we were just asleep and there was a tornado warning mm -hmm. so we all rushed down to the basement and then while we were in the basement I actually passed out yes uh, luckily you were there and caught me before I hit the ground yes that would have been a very hard hit it would have but you know that was really that was probably the scariest moment I think yes and from from this perspective yes that was terrifying because um, you know, she was so dehydrated and her electrolytes were so out of whack that her passing out looked like she was having a seizure. And so, of course, you know, she's never had seizures before. And so to see someone having convulsions um, like that was tremendously scary. And as she said, we were in the middle of a tornado warning um, where the sirens were going off. And, you know, and again, just having to decide, do we call 911 and wait for the ambulance to come or do we get in the car and go? Well, me being me, for those of you who know me, we got in the car and we went and I was like, I'm gonna outrun a tornado today if that's what I have to do, but we are going back to the hospital. And so over the, the next six weeks, um, we would, as Spencer said, you know, we would go in, they would say she was dehydrated, she would get fluid, she would start to eat again and discharge after, you know, a couple days. And then we would be home for a couple of days and things were just not going well at home and then we'll be right back. So after the week of surgery and, and the recovery, um, we spent the next six weeks 
actually going back and forth to the hospital and getting admitted every single time. Um, and one of those admissions actually was in the ICU because she was so severely dehydrated um, that her kidney function became abnormal. Her kidneys were starting to shut down um, because of the dehydration. And I think for me as a parent, that was the scariest part um, because when they told me the labs, and see this is where when you're in the healthcare sector, you know enough to know what you should be afraid of. And when someone comes and tells you that these are the numbers that your child is going through, it becomes just incredibly terrifying, right? And so there were a lot of things that I knew and was having conversations with that I did not share with you and with daddy because I didn't want you to be as terrified as I was and couldn't share and show that terror because I wanted to be encouraging and supportive and all of that. So being in the hospital let's talk about that so what would you say you know outside of being sick so this is kind of almost like a silly question right um, because really there are no best things about being sick or about being in the hospital but as I always say we take lemons and turn them into lemonade and there is a silver lining for every cloud right so what would you say is the best thing that you experienced while being in the hospital during a pandemic, very, very ill. Oh, and I will also say that with this, all of the, the dehydration and the vomiting and such, um, Spencer lost a tremendous amount of weight. And so, you know, at that point in time, we, she was at about 84 pounds when all of this started. And over the next six weeks, six to eight weeks, lost 20 pounds. So my daughter is almost as tall as I am, weighing 60 pounds, right? She was weighing what a five-year-old would weigh, a five or six-year-old would weigh, but she was 12, right? So, you know, of course, when you see your child that way, that was, that was also terrifying for me, um, that when I would see what your body looked like, and I knew that that was not normal, and at that point, we didn't have an answer for it. Um, you know, that can be, be very frustrating, but did you experience, how, how was that experience for you? Because I know what it is for me on the parent side, but as, as the person actually going through it, how was that? It was really hard because I couldn't run around like I usually did, you mm -hmm. know, I didn't have any energy. Mm -hmm. I was always tired and asleep. Mm -hmm. And if I did get up and move, you know, I'd start either cramping or get really, really tired really quickly. Mm -hmm. It was just really hard because I couldn't do the things that I love to do. Right. You know, like basic stuff like walking around and stuff would right. just tire me out completely. But, you know, that, that was really, really hard for me. And was there ever a point where you were really scared about, about that or not being able to do those things and what all that meant? Yeah, because, you know, at the time, I wasn't sure, like, would I be returning to my normal self or, you know, I was like, is this going to be a, a lifelong thing? Like, am I going to be like this for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. Like, what's going to, you know, no one really knew what was going to happen after that. Right. Because no one really knew what was happening then. Right. So that was pretty, a little scary, I think. But at the same time, I was kind of like, eh, you'll be fine. Like, you know, there are are a lot of people that kind of go through this and you know you see their stories and how they did their stuff and you're like you know it won't maybe it won't be so bad you know you got to kind of 
keep your head up when stuff like that happens because if you lose it in your mind then everything else after that kind of just starts to fall at the same time very good point very good point so what was the worst part about being in the hospital if or and there's more than one I'm sure but <laughs> and you're welcome to talk about as many of them as you like um I think one thing that was really annoying mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. I'm gonna sound a little rude with this but I think when the nurses would come in like the night nurses mm-hmm. would come in like they uh check vitals like every three hours mm-hmm. so that's during the day and during the night so right. they might come in and wake you up that was just so annoying and I know it sounds so rude and I know they have to do it they don't have a choice like I'm sure they don't like waking their patients up and whatnot but yes oh my gosh I was like just let me sleep but yeah that was one thing um and getting your blood drawn about like every day that was pretty Mm -hmm. tough you kind of get used to it after a little while but still and I think that kind of not knowing what's what was wrong that was kind mm-hmm. of like torture because like there are so many things you know when that happens your mind kind of like jumps to all these conclusions of what could be wrong mm-hmm. when you really don't have a clue right you know that was kind of scary too but you know other than that everything was pretty good you know I had great doctors and nurses they were all so nice most certainly you know I very very thankful for that very Um, because that made the experience so much better yes you know even though it was pretty bad in and of itself but other than that everything was great I had lots of support and I really couldn't have done it without everyone you know wishing me to get better right and all the help and all the love that I received I really appreciate that and I don't sweet. think <laughs> I don't think uh, that it would have been a not really speedy recovery, but mm-hmm. it made it a lot easier right. to kind of be like, okay, so, you know, because it wasn't just for me because everyone, a lot of other people were, you know, checking in on me mm-hmm. and trying to make sure I was better. So I was like, okay, so whatever I have to do to get better, you know, it's not just for me anymore. Hmm. You know, like every, like other people are you know, wishing and hoping and praying that I get better. And it's like, you know, some of the things I had to do were kind of hard, but Mm -hmm. when you realize that you're not just doing it for yourself, but those around you, it's kind of like, oh, you know, you kind of get a different take on it. Okay. See, I did not know that until we, (laughs) until we had this interview. So, and that's, and that's a great perspective, um, you know, because of course, you know, these things don't happen in a vacuum. Like this didn't just happen to just you. Right. You know, because, of course, you know, Daddy and I experienced this, but then all of our friends and family and, you know, my immediate friends, you know, I didn't put a whole lot out on Facebook at the time, um, but, you know, a lot of my immediate friends that knew what was going on, um, you know, with you, definitely, you know, it affected them as well. Because, of course, you know, illness happens, and when an illness happens to an adult, people feel bad, but when illness happens to a child, that emotion becomes entirely different, particularly if you are a parent, because while this may not be your child, you can very easily put yourself in the position of being that parent in that situation. But what I wanted to know was from the other side of of that coin, 
of being the child because of course you know when you go into the hospital as a child a lot of things just happen to you right you know so there are people that are coming in all the time coming and going um, they're talking about things that you may or may not understand you know you're not at home in your environment and so I just really wanted to know you know how that was for you from your perspective so now let me ask you this what would you what would you like to tell kids about when they go to the hospital like what words of wisdom would you share with them about how to get through that experience from the ER getting hospitalized sent home and all of the things that come after I think to be honest with your doctor mm-hmm. or your nurse, you know, don't try to lie your way out of it to go home early because mm-hmm. you'll be back. Yes. You will be back, and that'll just make it a lot easier if you're honest because, you know, they're there to help you. Right. You know, that's all that they're trying to do, and there were, with my uh, illness, there were a lot of needles involved and a lot of stuff I really didn't want to do, but yes. in the long run, it really helped. Yes. for a faster recovery to figure out what was wrong and get better from that. Um, I think to even ask questions, you know, don't be afraid to ask, you know, what is that or, you know, what does that mean? Right. I don't, you know, your doctor, they probably won't have a problem answering any questions that you might have. And even right. for parents, you know, if you're concerned about something to ask, you know, don't hold it in or express express your concerns anything that you have because they're there to help that's all that they want to do and that's an excellent that's an excellent um, suggestion because even at a young age you can have control of your own agency right right and you can be a participant in your care by asking questions because this is happening to you and so you do have a right to know even if you're a kid because you know a lot of the times we're like oh you're a kid you're just going to do whatever you're going to do what I say you're going to do what the doctor says. But in truth, you do have a right because this is your body. So you do have a right to know what is going on. And so I think that that is a very empowering, empowering. I can't even say that word now. That's just crazy. That is very good advice to give, um, to empower children to be a part of, be a participant in their health care. Um, and a participant in their health as well by asking questions because being in the hospital is tremendously scary. Would you agree? Yes, and especially when you don't really know what's going on. Like, if you're in the hospital and you got like a broken leg or whatever, like that's simple, like you know you got a broken leg. Right. But when it's something that, you know, you can't just look at it and kind of be like, "Eh, oh yeah, that's this, that, or whatever. But when you can't, when you can look at a person and you can't tell what's wrong with them, that's kind of, Right. You know, that's that's kind of scary because you really got to look at it. You really got to look into it rather. Most certainly. Um, and another thing is to be nice to your doctors and nurses. Don't, nurses especially, like, don't just be rude to them just because you think they're nurses and whatnot. Don't. Don't. Don't do that. That's, right. that's really mean and rude. And they go through a lot. And we understand, you know, as the, as the health care provider in the room. Um, you know, we understand that people don't feel well. Right. And, and particularly with children, it may be difficult to voice that. You know, you may not know the words for how you're feeling, or you may not want to talk at that moment. 
Right. You know, and that makes it challenging. And that's why I say, um, you know, the people that work with children, um, and particularly at children's hospitals, they they are angels in, in my eyes forever. Yes. Um, not just because of this experience, but just from knowing the work that they do and the very, very special uh, population that they work with that, you know, may not be able to articulate, um, you know, what's really going on for a lot of different reasons because fear will keep you from saying things yes um yes, yes. you know will keep you from sharing things and you know as you mentioned that desire to go home so you know if I don't say anything and they think I'm fine I get to go home you know and, and sometimes the motivation is as simple as that but you know as you said you always should be honest and I thank you very much for sharing that particular point um always want to be honest even if it means that you stay in a day or two um, longer because you want to once you leave the hospital you want to stay gone right right you don't want to come back <laughs> you don't want to keep coming back unless you need to right. because in our case we thought you were better the labs looked good you looked good and then we would get home and a couple days later things would change so I would say you know our process was not just that week and not just the the six weeks that followed that but our recovery extended very well into the summer um, because even once we got home, you know, there was the things that we had to do to help you gain your weight back. Um, and so you were on a pick line and getting your nutrition through an IV, a special type of IV. Um, and so that required, you know, all of us to learn how to handle that um, and then going through, through that as well. Now, I will say the... I won't say the lucky part, but for lack of a better way of putting it, was that, you know, we were going through this during a pandemic. So that was kind of a double-edged sword, right? Um, because there were a lot of people who reached out to me, reached out to your dad um, in wanting to help. But of course, we were in our bubble, so we could not, we could not receive that help. Right. But then it also was good because we couldn't go anywhere. So we didn't have to worry about going somewhere and you getting sick because we were always, we were just in the house right. and, th and that was it. You know, I mean, I was the only one that really left our bubble um, to go to work. So now, um, last question for this segment, which has been awesome, by the way. Um, what would you tell parents so that they can understand what what their children are going through when they're going to the hospital because sometimes parents are so focused on you know they're focused on themselves they're focused on their child but they're looking at it from their perspective but from your perspective what would you like parents to know uh, I think explain to your child mm -hmm. what's going on okay because you know no matter how young they are they deserve to know whether yes. they know what you're talking about or not right you know and I think to not just cram your emotions in and just throw it somewhere in the back of your mind. We understand, you know, as kids, we can look at you and tell that you're stressed, whether you're, you know, the best at hiding it or not. Really? Yes. <laughs> and I think that was really hard for me, too, because I could tell that you were really, you and Daddy were really stressed about it, but you mm. didn't want to say anything because it would stress me out. Hmm. Really? Yeah. So my poker face is not as good as I think it is, is what you're telling me. No? Yeah. She's giving me the, eh. <laughs> like, eh. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's something I learned about myself today. <laughs> my poker face is not as great as I think it is. Yeah. And so what do you think is the best way for parents and families to support their children that are in the hospital? What tips would you give to moms and dads out there? I would say to not like bring up any other stuff that's going on like, oh, you need to do your schoolwork or da da da. Because chances are we're already stressed as it is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, if you don't want them to kind of lose that, you know, and just like, oh, read this book or, you know, just keep, give them activities to do to kind of keep their mind off of. Mm. You know, some stuff like whether that's like watching TV or reading a book or, you know, doing whatever, you know, bring activities or like even stuff from home mm-hmm. to remind them, you know, what the goal is mm-hmm. to get home Got and it. stay out of the hospital, you know. Okay. Um, or even just teach, keeping in touch with relatives, which I think is pretty easy now, especially considering we've been in this pandemic and can't see right. relatives. Right. But you know, because like, under normal circumstances, everybody would have been here in Atlanta and at the house and at the hospital <laughs> for you. Yeah. This is we already know this. Yes. Under normal circumstances. Yes. But the pandemic put a little uh, little extra twist on it. Yes, definitely, definitely. And before we finish this segment, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Uh, you know, this goes for anything, I think. Okay. Like anything that you might be going through. It's to just talk about it. Okay. You know, like don't bottle up your emotions and just think like, oh, it'll pass over or whatever. Okay. You know, kind of, if it's really bothering you, talk about it. Because someone's like going to listen. Right. You know. Okay. And I kind of feel like it's kind of like a stress reliever to kind of just tell someone what you're going through or any issues that you might be having Mm -hmm. because that can really take a load off your back just kind of letting people know whether it's a complaint or a good thing or you know whatever just get it off your chest and don't try to hold it in and you know let people know when you're struggling you know it's okay to ask for help because not every day can be a great day you know everyone's gonna have an off day right you know, it's okay to not be happy or, you know, be sad. You know, it's okay to ask for help. Okay. You know. I love it. I could not have said it better myself. Well, thank you very much, Miss Spencer Moore. So I will, I will let you all know that she um, has made a full recovery. Um, we are about a year into, almost at a year mark of our full recovery where she got off of the pick line and and has been eating and gaining weight and being a normal 13 year old like she went from zero to teenager in like 10 seconds um and that's good because i was like you know what if this is what it is then that's great i want it let's do it ladies and gentlemen thank you miss spencer moore ladies and gentlemen miss spencer moore we will be right back after a break this is dr carissa hines you are listening to medical minutes with dr carissa This is fashion designer Edmund Newton. I'd like to tell you about InMass.com. 
Enmask.com is my only source for non-surgical cloth masks. I've teamed up with Enmask.com to create and design a collection of limited edition masks. These masks are washable, reusable, breathable, and most importantly, fashionable. Shop online now at Enmask.com. That's E-N-M-A-S-K-S.com for quality masks made in America. This is Alvin. And this is Edmund on the Old Fashioned Health Show. Tune in each Friday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. And listen to us live on iHeartRadio or the Real 1100 app. Where we talk about healthy information, products, and or services. And get some old school music in on the Real 1100. What is that? Welcome back. If you are just tuning in, you are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your host, Dr. Carissa Hines, and we just finished a very powerful segment with my daughter, Miss Spencer Moore, who shared with us her experience from her perspective of being hospitalized last year and what she went through. And again, I am just as you all, I hope you all got in this little segment how absolutely amazing she is. And again, I am tremendously biased uh, in my opinion uh, in that regard. But she really, really is just a special kid. And, and I am just grateful that she is mine. So now let's get into our vitamin C and we'll wrap up today's show. So our vitamin C today is about testimony. Right. So, you know, a lot of times we give testimony, we think about going to court or you think about going to church. Right. So after her recovery, um, Spencer asked me why this happened to her in the first place. Like, why? Why me? Why did this even happen? And of course, I had absolutely no answer for that. Right. Because I had no idea if I had to pick somebody, I would not have picked her for that to go through. Right. But what I did share with her was that she had a very powerful story or testimony to share that might be helpful to someone else in some capacity, right? So many times we don't share the challenging things that we experience, and there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, You know, sometimes we just don't want to relive the trauma because we got through it and we got over it, and that's that, so we don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, And then sometimes we, you know, choose to be more private because some stuff is not everybody's business, and that's fine too, right? And all of the other reasons in between for that. But in preparing for this week's show, I found a quote, and I don't know who this is attributed to, but here it is. Your story is the key that can unlock someone else's prison. Share your testimony. I like that. Don't you like that? Yeah, that's something. So, and again, I will say that without the test, there can be no testimony. I hope you all have enjoyed this show. I have enjoyed presenting it to you and I look forward to every week being with you all. So um, programming note before I close out, um, the next couple of weeks, 
we will be doing a replay because we're having some technical issues here in the studio and we were very lucky to be able to get in today. So I will see you all live after Labor Day. So until we meet again, my friends, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, take care. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to another Old Fashioned Health Network show on The Real 1100.